Thank you for listening to the Reformation Bible Church Podcast. We hope you are edified and encouraged by our ministry as you listen to our Gospel and Evangelism sermon series. For more sermons and resources, please visit the RBC website at www.rbcbakersfield.org. Thank you once again, and may the Lord bless you. Amen. Well, it's good to have you guys here tonight. This is, um, apparently this is the 14th. I guess I've been saying 14th last week, but last week was actually 13th. Uh, so this is our 14th week in the gospel and evangelism. Starting next week and for the next maybe three or four weeks after that, we're going to be talking about discipleship and what is a disciple, how does one disciple, and uh, a number of other questions that we'll be dealing with concerning discipleship. Because once we begin evangelism, once we begin the gospeling, um, our, our job is not done. Discipleship comes next, and discipleship is, if you thought evangelism, or if you think evangelism is difficult, discipleship is <clears throat> even more so difficult, because you don't just share the gospel with someone and then walk away and, and feel good about yourself. Discipleship is walking with that person as as they walk away or inviting that person to then now walk with you so we'll be talking about what that looks like and how that looks um after after tonight tonight we're going to do something a little bit different we have the privilege of of being able to be together my brother and i every day and so we've been throwing a number of questions back and forth or he yeah at each other and um i said you know it might be good. Actually, it was your idea. It might be good to just have a night where we just have a discussion and bring up some of the things that we've been bringing up. And so uh, I'm going to let my brother take the lead on this. He has a number of questions. But as we as we do talk, we're going to be dialoguing. And then we also have a microphone here so that at, that at any time you have a question, feel free to take the microphone. But make sure you use the microphone so that way everything that's spoken tonight can be on the website. The questions can be heard. Um, so. Good morning. Good good evening. Normally I'm talking to you guys in the morning sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I thought tonight it would be a, it would be a good time for us to speak about what we've been learning for the past two months since September, since September um, about the gospel and evangelism. And during this time, too, like Pastor said, if you have questions that that come to your mind, uh, just ask them. And uh, if we don't answer them, maybe somebody here will answer them. Uh, so <clears throat> what I think what would be good for them to know, and also me, is I've known you for 26 years. Has it been that yeah, long? Yeah, it's been long. And um, <laughs> I've, I've, known, I've known you to always be or have a passion for evangelism. Ever since you were right when you were saved, you know, you, you knew that you had to evangelize. Where did that come from? Did, did that come from reading the scripture? Did that come from an influence by somebody? Did it come from, you know, knowing you just need to <clears throat> spread the good news of Jesus Christ? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, obviously, from the Holy Spirit, I, I think, I think the, the product of a regenerated person is they have a passion for evangelism. I think when someone has been saved, born again, the evidence of their salvation is they want to immediately begin to share the gospel. They may not do it perfectly. They may not understand even what they're saying or how they're saying it. 
But I think one of the clear evidences that we see in Scripture is that when someone is saved, they turn around and, and go tell someone about their salvation, whether that be the Samaritan woman who goes to her entire village and tells people about the man who told her everything that she'd ever done, um, or whether that be the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, that after, and they probably are best example, after they see the risen Savior, they give up their lives for him by going to all the nations to share the gospel. So I think that evidence of a regenerated person is that they can't keep their mouth shut when it comes to to Christ. Uh, The person who has nothing to say, obviously, is a person who has had nothing done to them. So the evidence of someone being saved would be to go out and share the gospel. Yeah, and you remember that when, when the Lord first worked on your heart. One of the first things you started to do was find out how to minister to atheists and how to minister to to Muslims. And although you didn't really have a clear understanding of of the best theology, per se, you were right there on the streets with me. We were, we were on Chester Avenue. You know, you were shadowing me as I had discussions with different people. So you obviously knew there was a, a call that once you've been called, then your responsibility is to go and to call others. No. <clears throat> so the first three weeks. No, first five weeks, I think we talked about five the gospel. Weeks, yeah. It was strictly on the gospel. Uh, we talked about first with God, moved on to man, Christ, and then the importance of repentance and, and the cost of following Christ. Um, is the gospel a basic doctrine, do you think? You all remember last week when I said the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity? The gospel is A through Z of Christianity. One of the things I think about um, about Christians is they think that the gospel is a basic thing. If it's such a basic thing, then how come nobody knows it? If it's such a basic thing, then how come you can ask so many people who have been saying that they've been walking with Christ for so long, and yet they can't explain to you the gospel? Or their explanation of the gospel is Jesus, Jesus loves you. Uh, or something shallow like that, right? Um, so no, I don't think it's a basic doctrine. I think it's a, it's an essential doctrine. I think that, that would be a different way for me to say it. I think it's a, it's an essential doctrine. It's a foundational doctrine because if you get the gospel wrong, you're going to get a lot of other things wrong. If you don't have the the, the right gospel, you're going to get so many different things wrong. And for many of you who have either grown up in church or have been in church for a long time, uh, Pastor John as well. We, we have just recently, maybe in the past year or two, got a better handle on the gospel. And it's kind of made us look back. Well, I know for me, I'll speak for myself, John. It's made me kind of look back on the years of ministry and, and how, many, how many mistakes that I've made, how many wrong things that I've said that have all trickled back to or traced themselves back to having a wrong understanding of the gospel. And so it's, it's an essential, it's a vital uh, it's your heartbeat. It's the heartbeat of Christianity. So if someone were to take your heart and your brain, right? It, your heart, if someone were to take that, that's how important the gospel is. No one, you would not say that your heart is, uh, it's, a, it's a basic thing in my life. You would say it's an essential thing in my life. You need your heart, right? Uh, it pumps blood to your brain, does it not? So, I mean, it's, it's, that, it's that vital, the gospel is. So I encourage you, if you have not got a good handle on it, then you need to go back and you need to, to, as you were saying today, you need to say it to yourself. You need to practice it to yourself in the mirror. 
Um, it's something that you need to constantly go over. And it's something that, that you should work on to be, to be clearer every time you say it, to be more specific every time you say it. Um, I, I would just encourage you, if you're going to get any doctrine right, get the gospel right. So how fast can you tell us the gospel? <laughs> what is what is the gospel? If you don't know what the gospel is, here's a clear presentation of the gospel. Yeah, the gospel is God is the good, perfect, and loving creator of the universe. That he is also, because he's the good, perfect, and loving creator of the universe, he's our judge. He created man in his image. He created man to love him, to worship him, to obey him. Man fell short of that command from God and disobeyed God. Because of man's disobedience, man fell in sin and passed on sin to every single one of his progeny or every single one of his ancestors, including you and I. We are now separated from God. We're corrupted in our minds, our wills, and our desires. We are lost and forever separated from God. But God, being rich in mercy, sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live the life that we could not live, to die the death that we deserve and rose from the dead, conquering sin, death, and the grave once and for all, so that those who repent and trust in Christ would be saved forever from their sins and also enjoy eternal life with Christ forever in glory. If you repent and trust in Christ, you will be saved. This will cost you your life, but the cost is nothing compared to the reward that Christ will give you when you trust in him. Amen. That's the gospel. Now, should you say it that perfectly? I don't even know if I said it perfectly, but there's elements that you should not leave out, right? You don't want to leave out that God is good. You don't want to leave out that man is bad. You don't want to leave out that Christ is our Savior. You don't want to leave out repentance and faith. You don't want to leave out something that we often leave out. I left it out. The cost of following Christ. It's going to cost you your life, but it's so worth it. It's worth every single second. My wife and I, I hope you don't mind me saying this, we were laying in bed the other day and we were just thinking, wow, it's going to be amazing to, to be reunited with those who have gone before us. And then we started to think that that's going to last forever and that this right here is, is, is so fleeting. It's going to pass away any moment and then we'll be there and that'll never end. A right belief, a right understanding, a, 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 a trust in the gospel takes us to that eternal resting place. And so I encourage you, if you have not, I encourage, I encourage you to trust in Christ for your salvation. Yeah, one of the problems, I think, especially in uh, the Reformed community, is we take the gospel sometimes a little bit too lightly. And we want to jump to other theological issues you know, such yeah. as end times, right. such as the debate over baptism, mm-hmm. such as etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So <clears throat> it's good that that we, coming from where we went, we went deep into the roots of of Calvinism and all that. Now we're going back to the essential truth of the gospel, what what this is all about, uh, the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <clears throat> It's not a I wouldn't say it's a basic doctrine because in the gospel what you have is the doctrine of God. You have the doctrine of man. You have Christology, doctrine of Christ, um the cross and all that. So in in the gospel there are deep deep doctrines um heavy weighty doctrines mm-hmm. 
that uh, I mean, we just went to a conference on on the doctrine of God and just blew us away. Yeah. So you know, if if you don't have the gospel right, and we're seeing the effects of that, the Roman Catholic Church, false gospel, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, false gospel, Mormonism, false gospel, but also, you know, Islam would have their own go- uh, form of the gospel. But the issue with Islam is you can convert to uh, Islam, but it's only as if Allah wills. So you can do whatever you want, but still at the end of the day, Allah can say, well, no, I don't really want you. But what the gospel is, you have a promise that if you turn to Christ, if you repent of your sins, you will be saved and you will have everlasting life. That's wonderful news. Amen. Wonderful news. That's the only gospel. That's the only, we're the only, uh, biblical Christianity is the only one that has good news. There's no other, there's no other religion that has good news. Do you get that? Like, you're the only religion that has good news. Now, you have a lot of bad news in the world, right? Right? There's a lot of bad news in the world. Uh, a lot of our guys are experiencing cutbacks in the, in the oil fields. That's a reality of life. It's, it's bad news. There are things that go on in our families. We have deaths. We have tragedies. We have all these different things. There's bad news everywhere. But not one of those... Not one bit of those bad news or those information of bad news that you get will ever be bad enough to take away the good news Amen. or the goodness of the good news of the gospel. Amen. So when we see life around us starting to crumble, it does not take away from the good news or the goodness of the gospel. Amen. That's so important for us to hold on to that. This is fleeting. It's momentary. And, and I, I encourage you, don't start don't start building your home here. Don't start thinking this is it. When you start thinking this is it, then, yeah, there's a lot of things that are going to happen in this world that are going to really mess with your mind. Amen. Especially if you start thinking, well, this is it. This is all I've got to look forward to. Well, then sh- might as well be depressed and be disappointed because this is all you're going to get then. If that's what if that's what you, where your mindset is. But if you understand the goodness of the good news of the gospel, it, it also promises you that this is not your home. There's a, a greater resting place that goes beyond this. So just be encouraged by that as well. <clears throat> I love how we're doing a, a question and answer, but it feels like we're preaching. Because you're hearing the amens. So thank you, Nadine. And yeah, um, Appreciate it. that's good, though. Now, when speaking about the gospel, <clears throat> growing up, people would say the gospel is your personal testimony. You hear that a lot. <clears throat> so what are some of the dangers of thinking that your personal testimony is the gospel? That you made the gospel about you. Yeah, that you've made the gospel about you. That if you spend more time when you're doing evangelism talking about you than Christ, something wrong. There's something really wrong if you spend more time talking about you than Christ. I was uh, Johnny sent me a video the other day of a, a local ministry here in town that I won't say the name of because it doesn't matter. Should I jump? No. Okay. Uh, but the point of that was it was about a two-minute video that was exalting a man who um, has a banner, a, a ministry uh, with with, I guess, a banner of Christ involved in it. There's no Christ mentioned whatsoever in that woman's 
um, explanation of, of what happened to her life. There was no God mentioned. There was no Christ mentioned. There was no cross mentioned, no repentance mentioned. There was one man's name mentioned in that entire two minute video. And his name was mentioned at least five times, five or six times picture with them, all that kind of great stuff. And it was just at least she knows who saved her. That's the danger in that. That's the danger in that, that the wrong person gets the praise. The wrong person gets the glory. So the danger in in making your testimony about you, 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 you are obviously a product of the gospel. So share, you know, I once was blind. Now I see that's fine. The Lord healed me, saved me from my sin. Then point it back to Christ, point it back to Christ. And so there's that's the danger. Don't make it about you. Make it about him. You're obviously a product of it, but it's about him, right? You don't want people to, to come to you. They, you want them to come to Christ. Yeah, I've, I've seen that as well, going to rallies, going to uh, different events, and <clears throat> no gospel being presented, but, but basically it's, um, and you know, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then come to the front, we'll lay hands on you, we'll pray for you. And all that that goes into that. <clears throat> now, we know that a personal testimony in itself is not the gospel. And it's, that's not something that you should stand on. Right. What about the sinner's prayer? Now, what about what are the dangers in, in leading someone in the sinner's prayer? Anyone? Everyone know what the sinner's prayer is? Raise your hand if you know what the sinner's prayer is. Raise your hand if you don't know what the sinner's prayer is. Okay, so basically the sinner's prayer is this. I go to you, Ernest, and I tell you, <clears throat> well, if you repeat this prayer after me, you will be saved. That's basically what it is. So you're following what I tell you to do or what I tell you to say. And in that, you might not be truly genuine in, in your prayer. Um, and, and in the Bible, there's no reference of a sinner's prayer. But what are the dangers of leading someone in a sinner's prayer? Yeah, I think you just kind of answered it right there. Is that you, they're following kind of you, what you're saying. Um, and the danger is a false sense of security. Amen. The danger is a false sense of security. And, and that is that um, a person, individual will think that I, I prayed a prayer, therefore I'm safe. I did that. Right. I, how many of you? Let's be honest. How many of us did that? How many of us did that more than once? Right. Of course we did. We would do it every week. Right. We rededicated our life. That's the word that we rededicated our life uh, to the Lord. Is there such thing as rededicating your life to the Lord? I don't. Have you seen that in scripture? No, I haven't seen it in scripture. There's repentance. But you, you repent of your sin once and then you continue to repent. We repentance is not a one time thing. Repentance is a daily thing. We constantly repent. So we repent and we are repenting of sin. Just as you are sanctified once and you are being sanctified. So Christ is consistently and constantly setting you apart from the world. Now, if you're going to lead someone in a prayer, that's fine. Pray for them. But don't let them think that by praying that prayer, they're now saved. And don't tell someone that, see, you repented of your sin and now you're saved because you don't know if they repented of their sin. They said they repented of their sin. 
but they're not showing fruit of repentance, not right then and there. A smile is not fruit of repentance. People smile when they sin. Right. So they'll smile and you say, look, you're, you're happy. All of heaven is rejoicing right now. That's one of the things I used to say. There's millions of angels. They're rejoicing right now. I used to say all of that. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know that. I don't know that. What I do know is that now comes the process of discipleship where I want to see the fruit of your salvation. I want to help walk through. Uh, what the Lord may or may not have done in your life. I do not know. I like what Mark Dever says. There was a person in his church where everyone was excited about thinking that he was saved. He kind of joined the little party, pulled the guy aside and goes, listen, I don't really know if what happened to you really happened. Time will tell. That's that's a great answer. We'll see. There's there's a lot of people that I wish I did not baptize because they're living in sin right now. There's a lot of people that I wish I did not tell that they're they're saved because they're not. And so, yeah, there's there's a huge danger in giving people a false sense of security. Yeah. And in that, I don't want to discourage the person either. Or as like with with Dever. And what's wrong with me? Yeah. I'm going back to my sin. Yeah. 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 I'm encouraged that he's interested in, in giving his life to Christ. And um, I'm going to lead him in that through that, uh, showing him scriptures of what repentance looks like, uh, what sin is, uh, what it means to to possibly backslide and all those things uh, that we like to say. <laughs> so with, with dealing with these questions, another question uh, that that people tend to bring up. We talk about Jesus and, and his death, right? And we talked about this earlier. Should we tell people in our gospeling, Jesus died for you? That's a great question. I'm going to take one step back real quick, if you guys don't mind. How many of you guys have, have been there where you, you remember saying, man, I, I prayed the prayer. What else do I need to do? I'm still chasing sin. Or how many people do you know? That you walk them through certain beliefs or certain prayers and they come back and say, man, but I'm still struggling with sin. I'm still struggling with this. Thinking that that prayer was going to magically take things away. Or even in our own lives. Man, I've been coming to church. I've been reading my Bible. How come I'm still struggling, right? It's, it's so important, like Isaiah was saying, that, that we help walk them through what Christianity really is. And that it's not living a life on a bed of roses, it's a difficult walk. My dad used to say it's not tiptoeing through the tulips, right? Why would he say tulip? Isn't that funny? Um, anyways, so yeah, that 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 that's something that we should encourage them. And and I, I to answer Isaiah's question, I would encourage you to be very aware of what you're saying to someone when you say to them, "Jesus died for you," without them ever repenting of sin. Without them ever trusting in Christ for their salvation, you've already given them a really kind of like you've given them a view of the kingdom without even having their ticket. And that that's something I think I would stray away from. Now, there are other pastors who are my friends that don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with that because, again, you walk up to someone and say, hey, God loves you. Well, I know that God loves me. If God loves me so much, why do I need to turn from my sin? I know he loves me. I know he'll be there for me whenever I want him to be. So God's become convenient to people. 
And when he's convenient to people and when he is the one who died for you, then there's no sense of urgency. Does that make sense? So there's no sense of repent today, turn from your sin today. Well, why do I need to if he already died for me? I can turn whenever I want to. No, we need to to really emphasize that the wrath of God is upon that individual unless they turn from their sin and turn to Christ. And then they will find out that he has been their perfect savior. But without that, just saying, hey, he died for you. Take advantage of it when you when you when you want. It's just too convenient. And that that fits right into our culture. We love things that are convenient for us. We love things that are fast for us. Um, so saying that to someone, I think, is is dangerous in a number of different ways. You were saying some things that of why you think it's dangerous. Yeah, I think it's dangerous because, um, for one, it's like what you see, you're giving a false assurance to the person. <clears throat> I don't know if if Christ truly died for them. And like what you just said right now, I don't want them to go the rest of their lives thinking that, well, I have this sacrifice waiting for me. It's just up to me to actualize it. it that's just, it doesn't make any sense. Um, it's, it's, it's sort of like, it's very much like Christ going to the cross and potentially dying for people who might believe in him, who might say yes. And, of course, I don't believe that Jesus did that. Right. Um, going a little, one more step back with the, um, with the prayer, the sinner's prayer. I've heard Mark Dever tell, says he's been in the taxi and he's heard uh, the taxi driver say, oh, yeah, the sinner's prayer. I've said that five times a day. <laughs> you know, I mean, what do you do with that? Yeah. You know, so um, when we want to be careful with with the things that we have grown up learning and the things that we have grown up uh, seeing people do, we want to question everything, all those things, uh, the, the love of Christ, the death of Christ, uh, the sinner's prayer, um, all those things. Yeah, and I, I obviously, we know that passage, Romans ten nine. We know the passage, um, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, um, believe in your heart, all of that. But does that passage, does that discount what Christ is calling people to repent? Of course not. And that's not the, the end all be all of how you're saved. That that repeating that little passage does not save you. There's a lot going into that. And I encourage anybody who's thinking about that passage. Well, what about that passage? I encourage you to go back and look at it. Just like some of you guys had been thinking all of your Christian life that Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. And you went home and realized Revelation chapter three is speaking about something completely different than what I've been taught. You better go back and look at that Romans ten nine too. Yeah, last question about the gospel is, in wanting to see lost people come to Christ, does that mean that we have to change the message of the gospel? Which I see a lot of people do, meaning they add things to the gospel. Man, gosh, that is, that is a, that's a sad thing. I, I haven't heard much of that, but. Yeah, so basically, and let me refresh your memory. Going to, some, going to somebody and telling them that Jesus can give you everything that your heart's ever desired oh. if you turn to him. That's changing the message of the gospel. Or if you turn to Christ, he can uh, restore your marriage. Uh, your kids uh, will, be, will behave at school. Um, you will get that promotion that you so long for. 
That's changing the message. And I say that because in wanting to see people come to Christ, people tend to go outside of orthodoxy and go outside of what the Bible says, uh, what the gospel is and what Jesus truly has done. When we when we are inviting people to Christ, we're inviting people to Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ is the prize. Mm -hmm. All the benefits of Christ are spiritual. Mm -hmm. If worldly physical blessings come, praise God. But uh, I want I want you guys to start thinking on those terms of when you are sharing the gospel with someone. All of the things that come with Christ have to do with your own spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. Hey, you've now been adopted as a child of God. Mm -hmm. You went from a a sinner. um, You're a slave. Now you're an heir to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I mean, so those are things that you have to to really think about. And maybe you you haven't even thought about that yourself. That right now you are, um, we like to use the term, already not yet. Mm -hmm. So so right now you are, like we were saying, you are presently being sanctified, but you are sanctified already Mm -hmm. in an already not yet sense. So that's good. We we were talking at our new members um, about the the present blessings that we have in Christ. And I think it was yeah. it Peter who says that Peace and all that. that we have every spiritual blessing in heaven, that, that we have been given, every, is Paul or Peter? Um, that we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ, Paul. And he starts talking about we've been adopted as children. We've been, this is, I think, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. We've been seated. Yes. Like there's just a number of things that through that first, I think, 10 or 18 verses, Paul just starts going off and saying all of the present blessings that we have that are ours in Christ Jesus. And he says we've been given every, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Like there's, there's no lack of blessing that we have. So that when someone says to you, how are you doing? And when you say you're blessed, you are very right. You are blessed. As Isaiah said, you've been adopted as children. You've been elected as one of his own. You've been uh, sanctified. You've been uh, given an eternal inheritance. You've been given a hope. It's just on and on and on. All of these spiritual blessings, every, not all of these, every spiritual blessing that is ours in Christ Jesus. So, yeah. And just because you can't see it, you can't feel it taste, touch it, doesn't mean that it's not real and it's not a reality. Because we live in a culture where we have to see things for it to be real. But if if we understand the Bible, if we understand that that it's God's word, it's God breathed, that all these promises that God gives to his elect, all the people that turn from their sin and turn to Christ, they're real. And they're presently being actualized. And then they will be realized in heaven. For the person who, who, like you were saying, adds to the gospel, I just don't think, uh, to quote one of my favorite revolutionaries from the, the 60s, those people are either dangerous because they don't know or they're dangerous because they do know. And if a person is, is saying, come to Christ, he'll give you a better marriage, uh, they obviously don't know the gospel. But if they do know the gospel, either way, and they're saying that, then they're dangerous. Um, that, if any of you watch... Um, and I'm, I'm not your watchdog. Um, I'm, I'm been appointed as a watchman over your soul. But if you're watching TBN, don't be surprised that, at your confusion then. If you're watching the Word Network, don't be surprised at your confusion. If you're watching uh, Star Channel or any of those other ones that, that, that have just a myriad of, of 
terrible teachers, then don't be surprised at how confused you might be right now. Right? And for you young kids, if you're listening to your friends, then don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at how confused you may be. So, yeah. Yeah. So now speaking about evangelism, um, which are one and the same, gospeling evangelism, is evangelism important? Absolutely. And why? Because it's commanded. Where? In Scripture. <laughs> I need a verse. I need uh, a chapter. Man, obviously, we'll go to I the, need a book. <laughs> we'll go Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through 20. Uh, that, that's the Great Commission. The Great Commission, 18 through 20, if you want to go there. Um, we could go to many, many, many other places when it comes to evangelism. But let's just use the one that we should all know. Um, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Make disciples. Um, it's commanded by Christ. That's what we do. I was telling my brother that I remember in our old church, I, I felt compelled. And that's what, what a believer does. They feel compelled to go and share the gospel. And my mom and I would go to, to Baker Street. Um, and it would just be me and my mom sometimes. Or me and maybe two other people. In a church that was at least four or five times bigger than this church. Let that sink in for just a second. In a church that it was at least four or five times bigger than, than this church, meaning there was at least three to 400 people in that church. And maybe four people would show up to go do evangelism, to do gospeling. I'm encouraged by sometimes we go out to the marketplace and we have at least 15 people, sometimes 10 people that go out with us. That's huge for a church of this size to have at least 10 to 15 people. Or when we go out to the parks and there's at least, you know, 10, 15 people out there helping Brother Louie. Or when we go out to puppets and there's at least 10, 15 people. And sometimes different people go to different things. And so if you put all the people who have gone out to all the different evangelistic opportunities that we have, most of the church is getting involved. That's awesome. Because I believe you're, you're being taught constantly the gospel. I believe you're constantly being encouraged to share the gospel. And you're given opportunities collectively to go and do so, to go and obey the command of Christ. So uh, answer your question. It's extremely important. It's now, now, why why don't why doesn't evangelism seem like an important issue in churches? Because the gospel and people's lives today, today. Because the gospel's not being taught. If the gospel is being taught, you have a, a fire to share it. If you're being encouraged to do evangelism, you're being challenged every single day, knowing, man, I got to share the gospel. I got to share the gospel. You don't go one week in this church without hearing the gospel, whether it's preached or whether it's seen. Not one week. And we make that a key in our church that you're either going to see it at the Lord's table or you're going to hear it every time someone is preaching in this church. You're constantly hearing the gospel. This past Sunday, we did something a little bit different where John read a, a, a law passage where we were under, under sin, dead in sin, Ephesians chapter 2. And then he read a grace passage, Ephesians 2, 4. What did he just do? He, he presented to you the gospel. He gave you law, grace, and then we worshiped God in light of that. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Sunday, we heard a message um, concerning Christ leaving people in their sin. Throughout that message, you would be hard-pressed if you did not hear the gospel. And if you didn't hear it, then you saw it at the Lord's table. So when it's constantly before your eyes, when you're constantly seeing it, then I, you have a, a greater 
understanding about your responsibility to, to share it. And that's something that you're trying to do here, right? Yeah, create absolutely. a culture of evangelism. We talked about this last year just among the elders that, that we want to create a culture of evangelism in this church. And that's when we began to share about the gospel, about evangelism. That's when we started to put the gospel in everything that we do because we want you to live a life where you're constantly sharing the gospel. And we're seeing fruit of that. Raise your hand within, if within the last six months you've shared the gospel with someone. Look at that. Raise your hand within the past three months you've shared the gospel with someone. Past two months. The past month. The past two weeks. That's the fruit of that. That's the fruit of that. Those of you who are listening on our podcast, there's, there's not 100,000 people here, but most of the people in our church are raising their hand when, they, when they're talking about sharing the gospel. Amen. Yeah. Um, That's we'll, to the glory of God. That's to the glory of God to the spreading of his name and his fame. So. Yeah. What we don't want to do is well, what we don't want to do is we don't want to when you first are saved, when Christ first saves you, don't you feel like you're on fire to share the gospel? You just want to see people saved. You just want to share the good news. Give it a year or two. It starts to slowly decline. You share sometimes, but you're not as passionate as as you used to be. I think that goes back to not preaching the gospel to yourself. Um, the pastor not not regularly um, reminding people of the good news of the gospel, not worshiping God in light of what he has done for sinful humanity. Uh, so that's what we don't want to do here. We want us always to, to have a passion for God, a passion for seeing lost people turn to Christ, and also bringing them into the church. Uh, Mark Dever says, how does the invisible God display and show himself? Well, one of the ways he does that is through the church. So we point him to a good, healthy, biblical church, and um, that's all a part of us gospeling. All you know. Amen. So, yeah, you know, you want longevity, don't you? Don't you want to like die an old person? And what's known about you the most is your passion for Christ. Yeah. Man, I, this will be 18 years that the Lord has has saved me. This coming year. Um, and man, I, I, I want to. I shared the gospel with somebody very important yesterday, my son. We we're driving, and he goes, Hey, Dad, we're not talking. And I said, No, we are, son. And so I started sharing the gospel with him. So, son, who created the world? God. God did. I want to say real quick to the nursery workers thank you so much. We, my wife and I were, were just listening to him in his room and he's repeating Genesis one, one Genesis in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He was just saying it over and over again. God, I I just was so encouraged and happy that that's what's going on in our nursery. And so I began to share with him and started walking through him. And it was such a challenge for me because I couldn't say big words that he didn't understand. It just knows good and bad. So trying to understand how man made a bad choice. And he goes, yeah, they ate the bad fruit. And (laughs) so then I asked him, do you understand what I just said, son? He goes, yes. And so I said, so is man good? 
And he goes, no, God made the fish. Okay, well, <laughs> you don't understand yet, but you'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are some of the most frequent excuses that you hear of why Christians do not share their faith? You know, there's probably so many of them. None of them are good enough. Either I'm busy, I, I'm scared. I don't know anything. I don't know enough. I don't know the gospel. I don't know the. I, they, I don't think they'll say that. No. I think they'll. They know. They know that they don't know the gospel, but I don't think oh, they'll say that yeah, they don't they know don't the gospel. That. I think that when they say I don't know enough, they mean like if someone was to say something about a different religion or whatever, I don't know enough. Yeah. When you really just need to know the gospel. Right. Um, None of those excuses are good enough. None of them are good enough. Um, A person who says I'm scared doesn't know the power of the Holy Spirit. A person who says I don't know enough doesn't understand the power of the gospel, that you just know the gospel. The gospel is powerful enough. Right. Person who says I don't have enough time. Man, don't even go there. You got enough time. I love how Johnny said that the other the other day when. When you call someone and then they don't call you back and they, they do call you back and they say, man, I've been so busy, you know, like they haven't had at least five minutes to at least call you back. We got time. And when when we share the gospel, it's not so much the the corporate gospeling that we do. It could be just the, the daily gospeling that you do among family or, or friends or among coworkers. So don't feel like you're going to be ostracized if you don't come out to the marketplace with us. Because we know that many of you are doing it on your job. Many of you are doing it in your family. But if you just refuse to do it all together, then I really would question whether or not you belong to Christ or not. If there is no attempt, then you need to really examine your heart and see if you belong to Christ. Mm-hmm. So, then can I, so then what you're saying is you can't be a Christian if you don't evangelize. I don't believe so. I don't believe so. I, it don't make no sense to me. No. I mean, how, how is it that that we can say I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven, but I do nothing that Christ commanded me to do? That doesn't make any sense. If my son, uh, I don't even say my son. If someone wants to claim that, that I don't even know how to say it. it don't even, well, it's as plain as simple. If you don't know, if you love me, you obey my commands, he says. That's it. If you, if you are in Christ, you you walk as Christ walked. If you're not, then you're not. I don't know how, how much plainer I can make it. I can't really give you I don't want to give you a, a more simpler analogy. You either love him and follow in his footsteps or you don't. That that goes for you little kids who are sitting here today. You may think, well, it doesn't apply to me. I'm talking to you, too. You may think uh, that's for the older people. If you're not obeying Christ and you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth (laughs) and you are refusing to submit your life to him, then you are my friend, young person, old person. You are on your way right now to hell. The wrath of God is right now upon you. If you know the commands of Christ and you refuse to obey them. Until you repent and turn, from, turn, to, turn to Christ and turn from your sins, the wrath of God is upon you, no matter who your parents are. And no matter who you are. Now, that doesn't sound loving, doesn't sound encouraging. It's encouraging you to repent and turn to Christ. That's the encouraging thing. And then when you do, now there's a path that you must walk that he's called you to. 
And parents, you you have a, a big role in discipling your kids. Adults, you have a big role in being discipled by the people in your church. Submit to them. Follow their, their leadership. Don't don't go off on your own. You would not let your kid just live the rest of the year on their own. And so many of you adults decide to do that on your own, your Christian walk. That you don't need any kind of teaching. You don't need any kind of any kind of guidance, any kind of discipling that you got it. And then you call the pastors when you need a medical visit. We don't want to be here for you just so that when you, when we need to give you stitches. We want to walk with you through this thing. That's why we're here. To love you, to disciple you, to encourage you, to let you know, yes, we are walking the same walk as you. We're fighting the same battle. Don't call your pastors when you need stitches only. That's a wrong thing to do. Yeah. 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 In, in other, yeah, so if you're if you're going through something, that's why the church is here. Christianity is not just an individual walk. It's also a corporate walk. And that's one of the beauties of the local church is we're here to encourage you um, and, and all of that. Um, How do we even get there? You just went off. Um, so when we know, we know that, that God, before the foundation of the world, elects certain people. Everyone believes that, right? And there are some others that he passes over. That is known as the doctrine of election, doctrine of reprobation. Do those doctrines kill evangelism? If someone believes in those things, does that mean that, that we shouldn't evangelize? Hey, God has us elect. They're going to come anyway. No, I, I remember there was a person who, who had a difficulty with, um, with the doctrines of grace, and he came to me and said, then why are you preaching to these people in the church? What are you talking about? None of them are going to be saved. And I just, I was befuddled by what he said. I don't understand what you're saying. None of these, you don't know if any of these people are going to be saved, so why even preach to them? And I said, you don't know whether any of these people are going to be saved. So why not preach to them? This is not in my hands. My responsibility is to share the gospel, right? So my responsibility, roll away the stone. God's responsibility, raise the dead. My only responsibility is to obey the command of Christ. Who he saves and whom he does not save is not up to me. And it's not even my, my, my business. It's his business. And that's a hard pill to swallow for some people because we have people that, that we want to shake saved, um, force to be saved, scare them to be saved. It's not my responsibility, though. It's God's. And I will not be held accountable for whether or not someone got saved. I will be held accountable for whether or not I shared the gospel so that God could work through the gospel to save them. Do you hear that? So you'll be held accountable for gospeling. You won't be held accountable for whether or not someone got saved. Now, parents, I, I, I think God will have some kind of, of say in how you reared and raised your children. So not raising them in the way of the Lord, not, not, not being bold enough to confront your kids when they're walking in the wrong direction. I think you will be held accountable, and I think God will have something to say about that. I really, really do. But ultimately, uh, their, their salvation is in the hands of God. Uh, yeah, I'll, becoming reformed, uh, it's actually encouraged my evangelism. Yeah. Knowing that there's actually people out there that, that God has chosen before the foundation of the world. So I have a promise 
that when I go out there, God might uh, bring his elect to uh, to himself that day. Mm-hmm. That's great, great encouragement. Other than on the flip side, if if it's up to man, then, my gosh, we would have to do a lot to, to try to to force, to try to encourage, to try to plea, urge people to come to Christ. All we do is we go out and we share the gospel and and leave it in God's hands, like, like you're saying. Do we have time for one more? One more. And then yeah, we'll let so, you guys ask some questions if you want. <clears throat> so um, last one. Uh, what are so, what are some steps that a Christian can take uh, to make evangelism more of a meaningful part of their life mm-hmm. in their in their lifestyle? That's a great um, how how can they get started? You know, that's a really really good question, and hopefully, you guys have been thinking about that for yourself. Um, if you live with people who are not saved, start by having conversations with them about what you're learning. Start talking to them about um, church and what you're learning in church, and hopefully they'd be open to hearing it. If you have people that you work with, you, you already have the relationship there. Start asking them about church. Start asking them about what they believe. Um, build relationships. Um, if you go to the same coffee shops, barbers, some of you don't need barbers, but if you go to the same barbers, then uh, – oh, you too, Bobby um, – then – <laughs> then have conversations with your barbers. If you go to the same grocery stores, so I think I've said this before, frequent the same places, build relationships in those places. Um, again, start with your family. Start with people at work. If, if you feel up to it, start building relationships with the people that you f- see often. Um, here's another one that we brought up a few weeks ago, and Bobby mentioned it as well. Sorry if Bobby mentioned name twice. This one will be a good one. Um, he said that, that when you share the gospel, do it here in church because you're in a safe haven. So, like, you're among people that, that care about you, that want to encourage you, so that when you share with them, you're not going to feel too embarrassed um, if you get something wrong. So that's a great suggestion that, that, that Bobby had. And they'll help you. <laughs> and it'll yeah. help you. Um, to share the gospel with people here in church. So just walk up to someone. Walk up to, to Mark or, or Phil or Oscar and say, hey, man, so let me share the gospel with you. See how I do. Try it. Or, or ladies, you guys can do that with each other. And, and don't laugh at each other. Like, you know, it's not a joke. It's, it's something that we want to prepare for. So go up to somebody and say, hey, do you mind if I practice on you? Um, and someone had suggested, told my wife about it, but... I, we won't do a mock of how it looks because it always looks different. And I could show you, I could go up to Isaiah, hey, so how you doing? Uh, my name's Tony, I'm just out here. But it doesn't always work that way. And so for me to kind of give you a model, it would almost be setting you up for failure because you might think that's the way it's going to go. And, oh, man, that's not the way Antonio and Isaiah showed me. And then, you, you know, you might be, be discouraged. And I don't want that for you. I want you to trust in the Holy Spirit when you go out and you meet a stranger that he's going to lead that conversation and that you're going to be equipped with the gospel. And that's all you need, his spirit and the gospel. And God will take care of the rest. He has different approaches. Um, we kind of sometimes use the same approach, but he has a different approach than I. And sometimes we both have to throw those out the window because the conversation is just not calling for that. So it it's never the same. Yeah, what you want to do is you want to make 
you saying the gospel or telling the gospel to people as natural as you telling them, hi, how are you doing? Oh, let's do this. So we'll do this in closing. Um, so we're going to do a do and don't thing, okay? So we're going to start with don't. We'll just see how many don'ts we can get, all right? So I'll start out. You start out. Okay. <clears throat> I'm still yours. Don't be weird. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, you know, don't go up to somebody with a shirt that says, I got 99 problems, <laughs> but being a sinner ain't one. Or I got 99 problems, but, you know, like, don't do weird stuff and don't wear weird clothing. Don't be awkward. Um because it's just it's just, it's just going to throw the whole conversation left because all they're going to be thinking about is what you're wearing, how weird you are, how awkward you are. So don't be weird. Don't carry a Bible this big and hold it like this when you're walking up to someone. Don't do that. Yeah, don't don't you carry your study Bible, Bible. Carry a small one, put it in your back pocket, pull it out if you need it. But uh, don't carry a big old Bible around when you're sharing yeah. the gospel. Yeah. yeah, that's what scares me about Mormons, because they have a Bible that thick, and there's three books in it. Yeah, yeah. Your turn. Yeah. So, um, well, don't share it. Don't uh, don't lean too heavy on your personal testimony. Uh, your personal testimony is not the gospel. Uh, your personal testimony should reflect the gospel, but don't lean. Uh, and don't build your foundation on your personal testimony. Like so, you know, when you were 12 years old, from or from from zero to to 25, you know, I used to gangbang and I did all this stuff. Uh, you know, I, I went to prison and all this stuff. And I got out. Christ saved me. That's it. So what you did was you spent like 10 minutes on how bad you were and like 15 seconds on what Christ did for you. This is yeah. Yeah. Don't look for a debate. Don't go out looking for a debate. You want one, you'll find one. And sometimes it, it won't be pretty. All right. So don't go looking for a debate or a fight. You'll find one. If you're looking for that, you'll find one. Okay. Yeah. Don't don't be mean. Um, don't be arrogant. And also don't be ignorant to what the other person is telling you. Uh, listen to what they're saying. And, and yeah, that's do do share the gospel. Do share the gospel. Yeah. So do share the gospel. Um, do know the gospel. <laughs> do be kind. Do be kind, compassionate, patient with people. Jeez. Um, man, if you have one, go. Yeah. <laughs> do do evangelism. Amen. All right. Let's pray. And then you guys can ask any questions you have. Father, thank you for this time, and in, in hopefully it was edifying, encouraging, challenging. And God, hopefully your people who have ears to hear will be more encouraged to share the gospel. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Are there any questions? I saw uh, somebody's hand that went up. But any questions that you have that maybe weren't addressed? It sounds I know we've, we probably got it all, but are there any questions that that you'd like to, to have addressed or anything that you'd like to say, go for it. Any questions on how to talk to an atheist, how to talk to, uh, you know, any, any, any questions on, on, uh, or any suggestions 
that you guys have? Anything that you want to say? Uh, maybe there's someone that you're talking to. Maybe you need help talking to them. Uh, if you have that. Good, good, good. So who here shares the gospel? Raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know, I will say real quick, <clears throat> you know, as you guys are learning more, um, don't get off in subjects that don't matter. Okay. Uh, so he's my friend. I won't mention his name. Um, so I was asked a question the day about the length of Jesus's hair. Love the guy. He's my friend. He's a part of the church. So don't say anything. Um, but it's a question that doesn't matter. So there, 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 there could be topics that you could spend precious time studying that you could have spent precious time studying on something else that matters. It Does was, that make sense? It was your length, wasn't it? Maybe It's probably my length. Really? Yeah. Before yours. Before, oh, before. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it was long. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I got a question. What are some resources? What are some great resources that we can go to um, audio uh Book-wise, articles, what do you what do you suggest? Anybody we should listen to? You know, pro- you guys hear me and him say Mark Dever a lot. Mark Dever, Nine Marks, uh, or Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Who's heard of Mark Dever? Yeah, you guys, okay. I, I would check him out. He, the, and he has, the Nine Marks series is really, or certain, uh, website is really good. Because there's a number of different interviews, and he's talking to a number of different people. His passion is evangelism. His passion is discipleship. Um, great pastor. Yeah, so. and guys, you want to kind of move outside of your favorites. I'm just saying this in love. I know we have our favorites who we like to listen to, but it, it's refreshing at times just to hear other people. Uh, we also, too, listen to the dead guys. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a good book, Gospel and Personal Evangelism. Gospel and Personal Evangelism is a good book. Gospel and the Sovereignty of God. J.I. Packer. It's a really good book by J.I. Packer. Um Evangelism, I think it's by Max Stiles. Max, yep. Mm-hmm. Max Stiles, really good book. Um, gosh, there's, 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 ah, there's a book by um, John Gershner on Jonathan Edwards called The Evangelist. I'm, uh, yep. That's mm-hmm. a really, really good book. Anything on Edwards. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you want to read anything about the guys who were evangelists. So you want to read about the um, Woodfield Woodfields and, and Wim Carey, all them. Yeah. Go yeah. find out about them. Read about Christ and his evangelists. Read about the disciples. Read uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs and see all these people who gave up their life for the gospel as they were gospeling. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Any questions, comments before we go? 815. I know it sounded like it was a lot longer than it was, but you're getting out the time you usually get out. Praise God. Well, thank you guys for um, being so patient and listening. And we pray that we're just encouraged to, to keep keep sharing the gospel, keep evangelizing. Um, next week, we're going to get into discipleship and what that looks like. And pray the Lord helps us through that process. Amen. Let's pray and we'll go. God, please be with your people as we go. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace be with you. Have a great night.